What's the coolest thing you've ever found in a toilet? It's Operation Paperclip this week on Why Do You Know That? Welcome to Why Do You Know That? The party podcast that wants to know why you know so much about a very specific topic. I'm Nadia Osman. I'm Steve Slaga. Hi, Steve. Hi, Nadia. How you doing? Good day to you. I'm good. I was just playing. (laughs) I was just, I, for some reason in my mind, I was like, don't give away what time of day it is. The stalkers. <laughs> <laughs> like somebody's going to piece together. Well, shit. If it's, if it's before noon, that means they must be at home. I don't know. Um, so I said good day instead of good morning. Anyway, I'm mm. good. Thank you. Thank you. for Okay. That. Uh, no, well, here's the thing though. You bring up the stalker thing and I found out, um, in a, in a terrifying thing recently that like there had been some celebrity stalker, I forget who it was, but someone figured out where somebody else lived based on an Instagram selfie where they looked at the, like the reflection in of their surroundings in their eyes in the selfie. And I was like, that's terrifying. I, don't I like hate that. this. I don't like it either. And it just makes me go like, okay, I guess I have to completely erase myself off the internet. So nobody comes and tries to kill me. This feels crazy, right? Like, or is it, do you think it's just a one off and like, we don't need to be that concerned? I mean, I think there's no way to know if there's someone in your life who's going to look at the reflection in your eye in a photo and come and murder you. Like there's just, there's just no way to avoid that if you want to live a life online. I think it's just a risk you take, but I don't right. think there's I don't think there's too many of them. Yeah, though. it's like waking up every morning going like you could get hit by a bus today or a meteor could crash or some freak accident could happen. A stalker could come and find you and be like, I saw where you live based on your selfie. It's just a part of our lives now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, like, just don't be like. When people are uh, when people post like, oh, I'm seeing once upon a time in Hollywood at the Cinerama Dome and they like tag the location. It's like you don't have to do that. Like, that's a bit too much. You don't need to be like, hey, world, come find me. You know, you know, people tagging locations. I don't think you need to, like, give that information out. I think that's a little silly. But, you know. I want to know. How I want to know the photo, what iPhone takes such good pictures that you can make out the reflection in an eyeball of a location. Like, I don't think I'll I'll have to send it to you. I don't remember if it was like there was there was it maybe it wasn't the eyeball, but maybe it was just like a reflection of something else in the surroundings. But it wasn't. I see. So now it, now it's not an eyeball. It's, you know, potentially a mirror or a door wall. All of a sudden, yeah. it's, you know, not an eyeball. Nadia's backing this one up pretty fast. <laughs> I don't remember Nadia's, exactly. I just remember Nadia's being retreating on this story. I never I. Yeah, I am. OK, <laughs> no, I'm just going to admit when I'm wrong. Thing. Just because you are retreating from one one thing doesn't mean that you can't be scooped up and retreated and uh, recruited to, by by another thing just because i was in one location in the world doesn't mean that another country could scoop me up and use me for their own nefarious purposes is that what you're there trying to get at go. steve that's what i was trying to get <laughs> at 
That's the second one going off. I'm going to bring in our amazing guest. She's a writer, actress, stand-up comedian. Please welcome Andrea Moore. Hi. I'm clapping for myself. That's not a good look. Today, we are talking about a secret U.S. intelligence program called Operation Paperclip, in which over like over 1500 German scientists and engineers, technicians, etc., were recruited from former Nazi Germany to work for the U.S. government after the end of World War Two. Um, it's it's quite the story. Uh, Andrea, Operation Paperclip. Why do you know that? Um, why do I know it? Well, I don't I don't work for the CIA. Um, if that's, that's exactly what, what somebody working for the CIA would say. Oh, damn it. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I just got really interested in it. I think I saw a tweet about it. Something about how, like, in America, you can be anything you want. Like, you can start over, for instance. You can be, like, a Nazi. But then you can come here and, for instance, run the rocket program at NASA. Um, but, uh... Yeah, I just got really interested in it. Like, I'm Jewish, and uh, part of being Jewish is talking about the Holocaust at every dinner with your parents and every day at Jewish sleepaway summer camp um, and having really hot, like, IDF soldiers be your counselors who don't speak English and just smoke cigarettes all day. Uh so I just was like, why haven't I ever heard of this before? This is so weird that like the U.S. using taxpayer money to bring high ranking Nazi officials over to the U.S. to work for our military and like work for the CIA isn't something that we talk about when we talk about like Nazis and World War Two. And I don't know, I'm going on a tangent, but it's just like pretty wild that people who like conducted experiments on in concentration camps then went on to be like the head of anesthesiology at really you know like prestigious hospitals and like people who i don't know like infected hundreds of catholic priests with malaria then went on to help create nerve agents that we used in vietnam was any of that funny (laughs) number one yes and number two you are so right because it is definitely i mean let's i'm gonna back up for a second just say the caa in america has a long history of doing some weird ass shit um there have been lots and lots of intelligence programs where you look back on and you go y'all thought that was a good idea and like whenever there's a a time travel thing it's like you know, what would you go back in time to fix? And I'm like, I don't know. I think stopping MK Ultra would be a good one. I think that like there's certain things like maybe maybe let's not just keep trying to f- fail killing Fidel Castro. I don't know why that was so high on y'all's list. Um, I don't know why you guys want to just continue to assassinate and fail at doing it. It's like over 69 assassination attempts and zero success succeeding attempts or something like that by the CIA. So like they don't have the best track record, but this, I don't know this, this one worked out kind of for the U S in a very weird way. Fun fact. Well, fun, depending on if you're a Nazi or not. Um, But Dr. Hoffman, who was uh, like experimented on prisoners in Nazi Germany 
um, he helped develop the chemicals that the CIA then went on to use to try to assassinate Castro. So the Red Menace was just like defeating communism was the U.S.'s number one goal after World War II, not ensuring that the Holocaust, you know, doesn't happen again or like defeating fascism. They were like, no, because the Soviet Union like has this big W now, um, we have to make sure that that doesn't spread to like the rest of the world. Um, so yeah, then they created the CIA, a bunch of, uh, corporate lawyers on Madison Avenue who were failed politicians, like basically pitched Truman and they were like, we should invent the CIA. So that way our family wealth won't go away. (laughs) And he was like, yeah, okay, hold on. I got to set a bomb on Japan. One second. All right. Yeah, we'll do it. Um, Steve, I don't know if you knew this before doing some research on this, but like I did not I had heard of Pop- Operation Paperclip before, but I hadn't like done a deep dive on it. I did not realize, although it is very obvious to me now that the Soviet Union also relocated a bunch of German Nazi specialists for their own operation called Operation Osavyakim. I am fucking up that name. Uh, But basically they got wind of what the U.S. was doing and was like, oh, yeah, okay, we'll do it, too. Um, And they actually said it in English with a Russian accent. (laughs) Yeah. And the Russian accent was really bad, too, which is like it it brings the question, like, why were we fighting these guys? We could have just taken them out by like doing a better accent than them. That's how it works. Right. That's how wars work is like who speaks better. God, the UCB yeah. industrial complex has just gone too far. <laughs> um, yeah, Steve, did you know anything about this at all? Were you, or was this all new information to you? Um, <clears throat> I knew of it. I read a book called Chaos that was about... Um, so basic Char- the Manson family, Charles Manson, also like theories about the CIA's involvement in that. Yes, about- I love yes. that. I'm reading a very similar book right now called Weird Scenes from the Canyon. Have you guys heard of this? Ooh. It's about how like a lot of the people, musicians who helped start the hippie music, uh, the hippie movement in Laurel Canyon came from families that had security clearance and were high ranking in the U.S. military and like may slash some of them were CIA. Interesting. I'm adding that to my Goodreads as we speak. Yes. Siren. This is right. This is right. Hold for Siren. Hold hold for (laughs) Siren. Um, And hope and I prefer my 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 nonfiction, I like to listen to nonfiction. So hopefully there's an audio book of it. If not, I will force myself to read it, but I am going to see if I can find it as an audio format. Um, but yeah, so in chaos, it kind of, it talks about like other uh, questionable U S military endeavors. And then, you know, went on a little Google uh, Wikipedia spiral of my own. So not a whole lot of it. Just another siren. Oh, they're not lost. A whole lot of they went it. the wrong way. <laughs> oh, it's the same one. Yeah. No, that you guys, you're they're looking for parking. Killing me here. Um 
Yeah, but uh, so just I knew of it enough that when this was the topic, I was like, oh, yeah, I know what that is. I Googled it once. You're like, oh, so, yeah, I worked yeah. on that. Yeah. Oh, been there, done that. Oh, yeah, I was I was involved. <laughs> um, <laughs> Steve, how old are you? <laughs> no comment. This is like a a Kenneth Parcell situation where you're just fucking immortal. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the Ossenberg list to start. So uh, backing up for a minute, it's World War Two. Germany is not doing well. They did not conquer the USSR. Oh, uh, no. I know. And <laughs> failed conquest depletes their resources. Uh, Hitler, much like Napoleon before him and other folks before him, don't know that invading Russia is a bad idea, particularly in the winter. So by uh, early 1943, the German government starts recalling from combat a bunch of scientists, engineers, technicians, physicists, etc. So they go to research and develop uh, German defenses so that they can kind of like try to get back at the USSR. Uh, what ends up happening is a couple of years later, a Polish lab technician found pieces of something called the Ossenberg list stuffed in a toilet, uh, which re- the list ends up reaching MI6, who then gives it to U.S. intelligence. And it is essentially a list of a bunch of people who could help become scientists and engineers for the people who are now winning the war. Uh, how do we feel about a list discovery in a toilet? Well, I'm just curious about the plumbing at that time. Yeah. Also, where was the toilet? The toilet was at Bonn University. In Germany? Yeah, because- France? Uh, yes, it's uh, in, um, yeah, it's in Bonn, Germany. So it's a college-educated toilet. We love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, hopefully, hopefully the toilet, um, in Germany, hopefully their student loan situation is a little bit different. I hate to think that that toilet is still paying off their student loan debt. Um, oh, it's the forties. So like college was like $4. Well, oh, also yeah, it was yeah, Europe. Yeah. So it probably was like, it's probably still $4. Yeah. <laughs> they haven't and changed like, it. Someone else pays for it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, did I did I know? No, 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 no. I was waiting. No, I was waiting for Steve. I thought he was going to say something for a second there. I was, but I didn't have anything um, like just going to go on a run of bits of like college toilets. Nothing real to add. Just, you know, (laughs) trying to think if I've ever like lost something in a toilet or. Oh, I have. What you lose in a toilet? My phone in Spanish class. Oh, no. And then I asked my Spanish teacher if I could run to Trader Joe's to buy rice. I asked him in Spanish and he was like, no. And I was like, but I'm when I'm asking. I'm anyway. Um, That's messed up. That's shame my, on them. Another thing that I love slash hate about Operation Paperclip or like. Years later, when all of these you know, engineers, doctors, scientists, astrophysicists died like in the late 90s and early aughts and even late aughts. Places like the Washington Post and the New York Times would feature them in their obituaries because they were like people of interest slash notoriety. And they never like 
I was doing some research on this yesterday, and there was this one guy, like Theodore Benziger, I think his name was, and I I forget what he was. I think he was like a doctor who like you know euthanized children with autism or whatever in Nazi Germany. And his wife ended up being like the chief anesthesiologist at this DC hospital. In none of the obituaries I could find of either of them, did they mention their Nazi past, Mm -hmm. but they did include things that lauded them. Like they talked about Maria Benziger's volunteer experience and how she set up this program for like children who had, who had experienced abuse. And it's like, not only did we cover it up at the time that we were, you know, like recruiting these high-ranking Nazi officials and giving them, you know, comfy jobs, but years later, you know, like when Clinton was president and George Bush was president, we still weren't even admitting that, like, where these people came from. Yeah. So it's just like a complete whitewashing of history. Wait, can I just can I just read the headlines? Yes, I just, please. Okay, I found it on my phone. So, read the headlines. Does, does one of you want to Google Theodore Doctor Theodore Benziger? Theodore, just, like, Eve is on it. Okay, so Washington Post headline: This is by someone named Claudia Levy. Levy, very Jewish last name from 1989. Um, and the headline is just like Theodore H. Benziger dies at 94, and it talks about how he invented this new means of measuring um like temperatures in humans like you know an ear thermometer essentially and it talks about how he made important contributions to biothermodynamics like this is the washington post we're supposed to trust them and Mm -hmm. then the new york times headline dr theodore h benziger 94 inventor of the ear thermometer dies um and then his wife this is from 2011 from the washington post Maria Benziger, chief anesthesiologist at DC General, dies at 93. And it says, in retirement, Dr. Benziger held a number of paid and volunteer positions. She advocated for women and children as a member of Montgomery County's review panel for child abuse cases and helped plan the Treehouse Child Assessment Center, which opened in 2002 and promotes healing for abused and neglected children. What about when she was my age? What was she doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's... uh. It's really disgusting because like when you look at the history of it, it's like President Truman said, OK, um, CIA, well, actually not the CIA. It was the um, the JIA. Like yeah. Which it was like preceded the, the CIA. Yeah. And before the, that, I think it was the OSS. Right. Um, that he told that group of folks like, hey, don't get any active Nazi members and don't just don't recruit any Nazis or Nazi supporters. And the CIA kind of like winked and was like, we won't. And then they just bypassed it and whitewashed incriminating evidence from war crimes of the scientists records and was like, no, 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 no. We need them for post-war efforts, like truly. And Truman was like, are you sure about this? You sure they weren't a Nazi? And he's like, oh, we're sure. Wink. And uh, it's it's. It's really gross to look back and be like, oh, cool. You could have mentioned both parts. You could have been like, yeah, this person was a uh, part of NASA and also destroyed England. Not People- just part yeah. of NASA, <laughs> but was the head of their rocket division. Yes. Yes. Like People contain multitudes. Okay. Yeah. And it's called duality. <laughs> it's called being a multi-hyphenate. You can be a Nazi and... Um, 
uh, I don't know. Loving yeah, husband. Yeah, nobody's nobody's yeah. over here telling Maya Bialik she can't host Jeopardy and be on sitcoms. <laughs> well, if you followed my Twitter, you would see that's not true. Um, <laughs> but here's something else that really grinds my gears is that I was watching interviews with this woman who wrote this book all about um, Operation Paperclip and this guy on um, the PBS NewsHour was saying like, you know, okay, but these guys went on to invent all of these things. Like, you know, the question becomes, does accomplishment cancel out past crimes? And the writer of the book is like, yeah, that's kind of the central question. But the thing is, is that like a lot of these doctors, once they came here, they went about things like super unethically. Is anyone surprised by that? You know what I mean? Like, there was this guy Hoffman. Was it Hoffman? Who was this guy? Oh, here he is. Dr. Herbert Gerstner. So he his kind of claim to fame was he electrocuted and burned German children. Um, but then when he came to the U.S., he had a real turnaround where he exposed U.S. patients to lethal radiation because the U.S. was like, oh, you know, you've experimented on human subjects. Maybe you can help us learn how, um, like, cancer and radiation works. And a bunch of his patients died and, like, he continued to electrocute them. And then the cancer patients had no idea of his Nazi past. So it's like he wasn't it's not like these people came here and then developed all these great things. It's like they continue to very much be Nazis. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, exactly. It's like, Oh wow. The guy, (laughs) the guy who was killing children decided to come to a different country and keep killing children. Who would have thought that that could happen? I would be curious, you know, if he had a patient with the last name, say Goldberg, if he Mm -hmm. treated them with the same, respect as like a little child named Tommy Himmler or something. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, uh, I don't questionable. Yeah, there's a lot of questionable. Like how much that these people's former biases, you think people do you think these guys like, hey, are you still going to be a Nazi? No wink like uh, fingers, think- fingers <laughs> crossed, cut, cut two <laughs> fingers crossed behind back. Yeah, it's it's like uh, you, you really are trusting these dudes with a lot, aren't you? Um, the initially they were just going to interview scientists and then what they learned kind of changed the operations purpose. So at first they were like, let's just talk to these guys. Let's just talk to these guys and figure out what they know. And we can, you know, steal their information. And then suddenly it became Operation Paperclip. So it went through a few different operations. And despite, you know, trying to be secret about it by the end of 1945 into 1946 the press is like hey aren't you guys former nazis and they're like uh nine i mean no we are true americans i i have russian accents yet again man i can't we, <laughs> we listen to elvis presley people? rock and roll music us germans <laughs> just being german what happened to our accent, Steve? I used to be able to do a German accent. Well, oh, good Lord. Can I just um, say you two would make horrible Nazis? Oh, uh, no. They, oh, no. <laughs> Sorry, I only heard you would make horrible, and then my selective hearing turned off. 
Um, speaking of well-known recruits, the guy that we keep talking about who uh, essentially ended up like heading up NASA, Werner von Braun, the technical director at uh, an army research center in Germany who developed lethal rockets that devastated the UK during the war. And he and other rocket scientists were brought to Texas and New Mexico as, quote unquote, War Department special employees to assist the U.S. Army with rocket experimentation. And then he becomes director of NASA's Marshall Space Flight Center. And he becomes the guy who launches stuff that eventually leads to two dozen American astronauts going to the moon. Um, that well, he thought he thought they were Jewish, so he was like, <laughs> "I want to launch them away from me." He was like, "Armstrong is not Jewish." Oh no! Oh no! What did I do? Uh, that guy. There were some good things, though. <laughs> like we got acid out of it. True, and Hoffman like helped develop it, but then he also tried it on a bunch of federal prison inmates who had no idea that they were being dosed. Oh, fun. Yeah. 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 Back to the uh, aver- not MK Ultra, but like yeah, it was MK Ultra. Oh, part. Of I think MK it Trotcha. was part of it or became it. Yeah. Because I know with MK Ultra, a totally different operation we can get into on another episode, but that was totally involved- different or the corollary. <laughs> the part two of this, yeah. um, where like it was a lot of unsuspecting randos at bars that they were just like totally spiking their drinks with acid. And then these people or like prostitutes, nuts. like people who had no advocates. Yeah. Um, so initially the aim was like, let's just get these people, interview them, get their weapons, get figure out their biological and chemical agents. And then they were like, oh, but what if we just get the dudes and use their brains instead? Um, do how do we reckon something like Everner von Braun, who ends up doing things like, say, going on Walt Disney's television program to talk about man in space. Like he becomes like this. He writes these articles for Collier's magazine in the fifties that talk about like, here is how man can go to space. Why the fuck can't I do an accent? I'm going to stop. I'm just going to have him be like a Texan. (laughs) Now I'm just going to have him be like, howdy America. It's me, Werner von Braun. Now I, I do declare we can head on up into the moon in the next decade. Like, why do we think that, Americans just went, yeah, that's the guy. We're going to trust that guy. We're going to let him run our space program. Do you think regular Americans knew, didn't know? Do you think there was people talking about it? Do you think people just didn't care? Like, how do we think we got to that point? I mean, my guess is that Walt Disney was neutral and then he found out he was a Nazi and he was like, we need him on this program ASAP. He actually auditioned him to be Mickey Mouse, but he was like, uh. Uh, too tall, too tall to be Mickey. We really need four eleven and under. <laughs> um, in like 46 and 47, the American public found out because I guess someone wrote an article about Operation Paperclip and mm-hmm. there were protests and people wrote letters to Congress and one of the first detractors was actually Albert Einstein mm. because he had fled I don't remember if it was Nazi Germany, but he like emigrated to the U S to escape um, the Nazis and Eleanor Roosevelt and him kind of did a little collab to try to rally public opinion. And there was one guy, I can't remember what his name was, but one of the Nazis that was an emigre when he couldn't 
I don't remember if he was like bad at his job or people were just like mad that he was working for us, but the U S military paid for him to relocate to South America, to Argentina. And then he died of a heart attack in like 1999. So even when we were like, no, we don't want you. They're like, okay, we'll pay for everything for you to like, you know, live somewhere else now. Like we'll pay for your moving costs. We're, we're so nice to other people. <laughs> yeah, I citizens. mean, if you're like a drug dealer or whatever, you can get a bunch of years in jail. But mm-hmm. if you like do war yeah, crimes, you not, yeah, you're going to get recruited to like a really give me your, prestigious program. Give me your tired. Give me your poor. Give me your Nazis yearning to breathe free. Isn't that what it says on the Statue of Liberty? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and her she actually wasn't originally holding the torch she actually was extending her arm outward and then they're like we can't do that there's too many hasidim in brooklyn so they melted what is it steel copper um it's copper yeah because it's um because it's French. turned green yeah from acid touch? rain i learned that in fourth grade oh wow and you retained that yeah. I mean, is it true? Can't say, but I retained it. No, I, I mean, speaking of information, Steve has retained. We brought this up on the podcast before, but because Steve grew up in Michigan, uh, I'm going somewhere with this because it is connected to Nazis. Known anti-Semite Henry Ford uh, mm. gets his own little song that uh, Steve had to learn about. Would you care to sing it uh, again, uh, Steve? He- Henry Ford was a grand old man. He had four wheels and an old tin can. Put them all together and the darn thing ran. Henry Ford was a grand old man. Honk, honk, rattle, 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 crash, beep, beep. Um, sorry, people listening in the car or at home, you didn't get to see the choreo. <laughs> yeah, there's a whole well, there's whole A&I movements with it. It's great. That's also like when you're listening to a rap song and they have a siren in it and you're like, oh, shit, is there a cop behind me? And you're like, no, it's just Kendrick Lamar. Like people listening to this podcast in the car are going to be like, is someone honking at me right now? Oh, no, it's just Steve. Yeah, <laughs> it's just Steve doing honk, yeah. honk, rattle, 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 crash, beep, beep. Not when I accident. say crash, beep, Nadia, beep. That was and... really good. Wait, say <laughs> that again. I have heard it before. Honk, honk, rattle, 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 crash, beep, beep. Oh, I thought that was yeah. Steve. <laughs> it's easy to mix us up. It's uh, also just really oversimplifying the process of making a car. Have four wheels and an old tin line? can. <laughs> yeah, wasn't that not in this? Thing? Not in this song. Yeah, I feel like you should have one kid like say each line and then pass it on to the next kid to mimic the assembly line. Well, it's easy to have a stroke when you're thinking about front of a brow because this is a guy who was like, we're not just talking about like, oh. Uh, like a cash <laughs> Nazi. He wasn't like a, you know how some people were like, I was just following orders, blah, 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 which bullshit. Yeah. But also, you know, there were some folks who were maybe like not as into it, but felt caught, whatever. I'm not defending mm. them. What I'm saying is this was a guy who was like, no, 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 no. I'm going to get a doctorate in physics and aerospace engineering from the University of Berlin in 1934. Well into Nazi Germany existing. He wasn't like, "Mm, I should hightail it to somewhere else in Europe. He was like, no, no, this is cool. I'm cool with all of this shit happening right now. Um, He did a ton of rocket building during the war that just like decimated stuff. He developed long range A4 ballistic missiles, uh, tons of other missiles that were like he built something that Hitler named the vengeance weapon. 
Like, it's not, this is not a good dude. And I mean, now- that sounds really cool, you have to admit. <laughs> I know, there is a part of me that's like, God, I wish I could build a vengeance weapon. I mean, it like, sounds I- like, I mean, it sounds like something Gru would have made in one of the Despicable Me movies. <laughs> is Gru based on Werner von Braun? Don't, whatever you do, don't look at the Minions liked tweets. <laughs> Because there's going to be some questionable public figures that they follow. I bet uh, it. I bet. No, no lie. In a group text thread, some folks of that are friends of mine discovered slash came to the conclusion that the minions, although they like they, in the minions movie, apparently they skip over World War Two so as not to be involved with all this stuff. But because they were like around for other things, they were definitely partly responsible for 9-11 and everything well, there was a that lot of fell insider out. trading that the minions were minions were participating in they yeah. were short selling american airlines stock yes 10 days before 9-11 so 9-1 yes uh they they also were uh responsible for a lot of the uh basically every invasion of the middle east once we started to figure out the logic holes it's like maybe they skipped over World War Two, but then they came back hard and were like, definitely the, the minions. Yeah, do they have names or are they just minions? Oh, Stuart, Kevin and Bob. Yes. I knew yeah. one was Kevin. And I remember one was Bob because I thought <laughs> well, that I was like. I remember when right. Kevin found out about 9-11, he was reading a book about goats to a bunch of kindergartners in Florida. <laughs> yeah, there's this whole other part. To make a real hard left here, where Vonnevoe Brown was just like, yeah, let's use uh, concentration camp prisoners as slave laborers, as you were referring to earlier, uh, Andrea. And like, you can't, he, he knew, he knew all this shit. And so then to put that guy in charge of NASA feels like. The thing that it reminds me of again is like all of the sort of apologists that are like, okay, but you know, these guys helped us with space aviation and helped us develop like medical treatments. And it's like, sure. But Hoffman also created agent orange and like Vietnamese people are still having averse, adverse health effects from that. Like, and Vietnam vets, like, I don't know, just invent like recruiting someone to then go on and create chemical agents that the U S could use on other countries feels like, maybe a continuation of someone's bad yeah. thing. Yeah. Apparently loyal Germans still addressed him as Herr Professor in America. Well, they always forgot his name. It's like when you call someone buddy. Oh, yeah. Hey, you. So yeah. good to see you. Yes, exactly. Hey, listen, champ. How's that rocket to the moon coming along? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like too late to ask them what their name is. Like you. It would have been fine maybe like two years ago. Um. Yeah, there's I do think that part of how he came into him specifically came into like um, American prominence or what have you. Also happens because at the start of the Korean War, Von Braun and his team end up in Huntsville, Alabama, which is, of course, where they started, you know, lots of uh, rocket building for NASA. And uh, they ended up building the Redstone rocket, which was the first live nuclear ballistic missile test. 
<laughs> because they were like, hmm, should we should we bomb more people during another war that just happened on the heels of a different war? Uh, and as a result of that, it suddenly, I think, became a thing where he was like, uh, we should uh, talk to the people about space exploration. Like at, there was a point where he was being going to be sacked. They were going to get rid of him. They're probably going to pay for his relocation. And then American public opinion of Germans started to recover. And then he was like, uh, how do you guys feel about going to the moon now? Yes. And so it wasn't until like 52 when I talk about those Collier Weekly magazine series of articles titled Man Will Conquer Space Soon! Exclamation mark, where um, Von Braun talks about like, yes, we'll go to space and this is what it'll look like and blah, blah, blah. Um, do we think that like what do we think would have happened if uh, American opinions of German hadn't recovered? Like, do we think we would have gotten all this stuff? Do we think that it yes, would have happened? Do you think so? You think it yes, just would have happened we anyway? So much money on spreading anti-communist sentiment. Like, I'm reading this book right now called The Wurlitzer Method about how we helped spread anti-communist sentiment both domestically and abroad. And one of the things they did before the CIA was created when Truman was still president is these corporate lawyers who, like I said earlier, were failed politicians and like after FDR died, pitched just going all in on the whole anti-communist thing to Truman. They got, they convinced Truman to fund this program in which the U.S. military flew a ton of helium balloons on the, like right outside of the Soviet Union on, in the European countries that bordered the Soviet Union. And it would draw a crowd because people would see all of these balloons. And when the balloons would reach 30,000 or 40,000 feet, they would pop. And a bunch of uh, anti-communist propaganda would fall from the sky. So it was like um, leaflets about the dangers of communism, fake currency. And I'm reading this. I'm like, why aren't people doing this in L.A. for their comedy shows? Like as a promo thing. But then there was one really funny story I read where they were doing it outside of Germany or Finland. I don't remember. And um, the balloons started, the wind made the balloons go in the wrong direction. And then they had to be like, no, 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 no. Like go back toward the Eastern block. It's balloon 80, balloon fest 86 all over again. Oh yeah. Nadia and I are familiar with, balloons going where they're not supposed to. <laughs> okay, go on. Uh, real quick, y'all can listen to the episode previously with Katie Willard on Balloon Fest 86. Uh, the short version of it is Cleveland decided let's break the record for the most balloons in the air and all hell oh, was no. let loose on the city for several days. Um, is that why there are no birds in Cleveland anymore? Because they all choked on the yeah. That's you're not far off. You're not far off. Some horses and died. Horse, horses died. People were oh, injured. No. Car accidents. Uh, oh. Absolute chaos. Uh, if I was a horse that had to live in Ohio. I probably would want to die too. But that's still really unfortunate. <laughs> Having just been to Ohio, I can attest to like there is a lot of land, but it is. I Flat. don't know if you're a if you're a horse that prefers urbanity. Like you, Which if you're I a city am. horse, I don't know that it's going to uh, appease yeah. you as much. Well, everything shuts down at like nine. Yeah. 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 You can't really go out anywhere as a horse like that. Like it's a early to early to bed. Or early rising 
early to bed kind of town. That's what mm-hmm. I was trying to get at. Um, in thinking about some of these other folks, let's talk about some of the other folks besides Frodo Brown Brown, because we can keep talking about him. I mean, mostly because he was like front and center. Like I said, he uh, he was on uh, Walt Disney's Man in Space, which uh, aired in 1955. And so like 40 million people saw this guy talking about like this and what's going to happen with space and stuff. And they're like, cool, he's a space guy without necessarily knowing uh, he was also the let's take concentration camp uh, prisoners and turn them into slave laborers guy. Uh, but who were some of the other folks involved in Operation Paperclip that maybe you remember? Um, so there was Dr. Schreiber, Walter Schreiber. He was um, he did a lot of like vaccinations on unwilling people in Nazi Germany. He was the Surgeon General of the Third Reich. And the, I think he was actually on a list of people who were going to be tried in the Nuremberg trials. And then the U.S. recruited him to work at a military uh, facility in Texas. And he was a prisoner of the Soviets, but then defected to the U.S. And we saw him as someone where we were like, we need him in our country. Um, and so he went on to work eventually at a U.S. Air Force base in Texas. Um, we also have uh, what's his face, Kirk Debus. I Debus. I don't know how you would say that necessarily. Auf Deutsch, uh, Debus. This is going to drive me nuts. Um, but he was he directed the design and development of the Saturn launch facilities in Cape Canaveral and Merritt Island in Florida. So under him, NASA conducted 150 military missile and space vehicle launches, including a bunch of launches of Saturn V, which was the rocket that was part of the Apollo moon landing program, which is also the thing that uh, uh, Von Braun worked on. Uh, again, real big fucking Nazi. Like, what? why do we care so much about going to the moon? Like, it's so dark. <laughs> it's a big we rock. Obsessed. We are obsessed with the moon. We really are. I... I never got this to work, but I've always imagined some sort of comic bit where it's like just NASA apologizing. Like, I don't know what we were thinking going to the moon, just like treating the moon like that X where you're just like, why were we so into the moon? We were drunk. It it was 2 a.m. We were lonely. We were like, yeah. Also, okay, like, you know how Hitler's whole thing was like, like there was Hitler youth and it was like, you know, we want everyone to be like blonde and have blue eyes and be beautiful. But I was looking at pictures of the Nazis. They chose to come here and they're all like, they're so fucking ugly. Like there's this one picture of JFK and Lyndon B. Johnson with, I don't remember like who it was, but he literally looked like Mr. Burns. And I'm like, really? These are the guys you're choosing? Not even like the people who could be models for Hitler youth. Right. At least get some hotties in there. Well, I mean, like considering that like Operation Paperclip got its name because a paperclip was how they like denoted a file as like too (gasps) Nazi. Don't include them. I did not know this. Yeah. Um, So like speak on that a little more. That's about all I remember. Um, But like the they would when going through files, the paperclip would mean not 
do not bring them over. They're too, they're too much of a Nazi. They're, they're too far gone, which it, anytime you're naming your program after the device you're using to not get too, 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 um, strong of Nazis that that just feels like you're starting on the wrong foot you know like I wish I could speak on it more. I disagree no I'm just kidding I agree (laughs) (laughs) I do wonder how much of uh, a guy like Von Braun uh, you're obsessed with this guy Nadia I think he's just Nadia is that a photo of Von Braun (laughs) shut up Shut up, you guys. Leave me alone. Now, um, what something that I find interesting about this guy is he kind of becomes the front and center one that I think like more of the public in the 50s knew compared to maybe Schreiber and um oh what's this other guy's Hoffman. name? Von Tiesenhausen, uh <laughs> Holderer, uh Steinhauf. There's a bunch of other there's so many dudes. There are 1500 dudes, but like this guy became became kind of the face of this thing. And it's the one that I think is maybe the most linked to. He's also a dude who apparently converted to evangelical Christianity at some point. So I wonder how much of people went, he's cool. He was a Nazi, but then he became a Christian is like part of the narrative surrounding maybe that guy in particular or other folks who are part of Operation Paperclip, like how many people used religion as a cover up to be like, listen, I know that at one point I was trying to uh, genocide uh, an entire group of people, but now uh, I've seen the light of the Lord and uh, I'm sorry. Sorry about that. My dad. Here's my thing. I get what you're saying. I kind of disagree that they put even like a modicum of thought into that because I think that that the CIA or JOIA or whatever it was called, like really didn't care. And Mm -hmm. as soon as people started to care, they just like, I don't know, like paid for them to be relocated. Like, I just don't. Okay. My dad is Israeli. He hates Israel, like thinks, you know, their crimes against Palestine are horrible, but he was born in 51 and, you know, Israel became a state in 48. So like all of his, neighbors were Holocaust survivors and his mother's first family were killed by Nazis. And he told me that um, like the red menace was so strong that even in Israel, the Soviet Union were hated and feared more than the Nazis. And he had this friend growing up who preferred the Nazis to communists and supported apartheid because the South African regime was rapidly anti-communist. Wow. Yeah. I had no idea. That's fat. That's terrifying and fascinating at the same mm-hmm. time. Duality. Um, there we go. I mean, <laughs> terrifying, but fascinating at the same time is pretty much a, a, an un, an uncomfortable amount of our history. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, how do you know how he feels about it? now like looking back on that in his childhood is he like that was very messed up or is he like that's oh, just yeah. how it I was mean, like no, what's no, his no. Attitude? My, my father is very like he's very left and he is aware of the u.s's you know war crimes and shady history and um like understand that the reason why communism hasn't ever worked is because every time 
people have tried to vote it in the U.S. has like bombed them and done regime change and imprisoned or assassinated any supporters. So, yeah. yeah. And he like doesn't tell people he's Israeli because he's like so ashamed of their government. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's having an immigrant father because I have an immigrant father. Oh, yeah, because you're Egyptian, right? Yes. Right. I was uh, raised in Cairo and went to the UK and then came to the US and having a parent who like grew up elsewhere and can see America from the outset, like you grow up realizing like from a pretty young age that there's a lot of stuff about the U.S. that can be good. And there's a lot of stuff that is very messed up, particularly in our history. Um, and the entire Cold War is definitely a part of that, as well as like our relations with the Middle East and things like bringing over a shit ton of Nazis so that we can go to the fucking moon. It's those kinds of things that make you go like, hmm, are we so great? I don't know. Maybe not. And and to your point, a lot of it had to do with like not necessarily just even we need these guys like it. kind It started as kind of like a oh, shit, Hitler's going to make a bubonic plague like we need to get these guys to so that this doesn't happen. But it also was very much informed by well, we can't have the soviets get these guys because if the soviets get them then communism happens which is like why do you care what it's not your business (laughs) well it is your business if you come from like the rockefeller family yeah you're worried about your wealth being redistributed but yes i was gonna say something and now i can't remember it's okay thank you we're here thanks for here while you think it up um, yeah, uh, let's talk a little bit about what the military did to whitewash these pasts. So, uh, they called them quote prisoners of peace and as the scientists called themselves and, uh, these skeletons they had in their closet. Uh, obviously we've talked a lot about how bad they are They're, They go into more detail. Have you read the book, um, by Annie Jacobson? I have uh, not, pers- but I watched an interview with her. Uh, and for yeah. everything that she knows in the interview, she seemed to kind of like, I don't know, not excuse the U.S., but when that reporter was like, oh, does someone's past crimes, like, excuse the advancements? She was like, yeah, that's the central question. Like, I kind of wanted to be like, bitch, why don't you talk about how the CIA was literally formed out of anti-communist sentiment by a bunch of rich guys? Yeah. Like, she almost seemed to lost in it Mm. just like the basics i have not read the book but i like read kind of bits and pieces or excerpts and stuff that you know where she's quoted uh there was one part that i thought was interesting which is in talking about this whitewashing of the past and the government the u.s governments i should say efforts to kind of like you know, cover this stuff up. There's this propaganda campaign to be like, uh, (laughs) what Nazis? What the fuck are you talking about? Shut up, shut up, shut up. You guys are cool Americans who have always loved uh, cheeseburgers and baseball and you uh, and I love Lucy, et cetera, et cetera. And so it was on a number of levels. Like you had army intelligence who were like rewrite their dossiers. And then it worked up the chain to generals in the Pentagon who were like, we need these guys. Uh, you you didn't work at a concentration camp. You were at a 
different camp, summer, summer camp. You helped the children learn. Yes, that's what you did. Like, it was a lot of I mean, I'm obviously joking, but there's a lot of like bullshit of rewriting of history. And to you have to be a into the Nazi shit to move up that chain of command. Uh, and she compares it to someone who is a head fund hedge fund manager in the U.S. trying to take the line. They don't believe in capitalism. Like if a hedge fund manager was like, I'm just trying to uh, buy a house for my family. It's like, no, you love being a capitalist. You love making money. That is your thing. If you didn't believe in this, you wouldn't be doing that. And that's sort of her take on, I think. Yeah, I mean, it seems like she obviously thinks this stuff was very bad, but it almost feels like she believes it was a deviation from the U.S. government and military's efforts to, like, do questionable things in, you know, in the pursuit of weeding out communism instead of, like, yeah, like a continuation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, I think that's the thing is that this is not, I think it's safe to say that Operation Paperclip is one of many things the American government has done in a long ass laundry list of stuff that is related to cover ups and getting information that we can then use for our own purposes because, uh, God forbid, America should, quote unquote, fall or fail. Yeah. And another thing I learned recently was that before the end of World War II, it was considered uncouth to be too um, anti like the Nazis because you might be seen as a communist. So you had to toe the line between opposing Hitler and not calling yourself a communist. Right. Um Steve, do you feel like, uh, oh shit. Now I forgot the question. I was going to do. Feel I good. do feel Never like, mind. Oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> no, just, yeah. Um, there was a quote that I found and I can't find it in my tabs now. It was reach so for the, that part. It was reach for the moon because that, even if yes, you miss, if you miss, you'll land. You among could, get, That's what I've you been, could meet Charlie yeah. Lindbergh. <laughs> Reach for the moon. Oh, here it is. Reach for the moon. And you probably won't miss because you've got the help of former Nazis <laughs> launching you to it. Found it. That was my yearbook quote. <laughs> That's lovely. Um, what? Uh, in an attempt to, to see a quote unquote silver lining, what stuff was created or came out of Operation Paperclip that could be considered beneficial. For example, the podcast episode. <laughs> like, I know that there's a big argument for um, when people go, why the fuck should we invest in space exploration? You can point to the space race as being like, well, that's how you got your iPhone. That's how you got this calculator and this computer technology and this blah 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 because well, i they... hate my calculator i'm on it all day <laughs> my thumb starts to hurt i'm so tired of typing boobs and then boobless yeah <laughs> do you guys remember there was a 
I mean, I guess you had to be a very specific age. You would be a very specific age of a child in the 90s, like when like Dolly Parton big boob jokes were a thing. But there was like a whole number kind of thing of like Dolly Parton went to the doctor at this time. And they like and basically you would add up numbers with this like story and then be like and then um, Dolly Parton would take a hundred pills and she would be and then you flip up the calculator and it says boobless it doesn't have to be dolly parton to make it say boobless but well i was always in really like rudimentary math classes because i was bad at math so i never got to that i never oh you never got to how to make boobless yeah calculator yeah i think it's like it's after geometry for sure um but i i don't remember if it's algebra it might have been algebra a, two. I think it was algebra two because there are a lot of vari- variables and algebra yeah. mm-hmm. has variables. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get too deep into the woods on algebra and how it works. Um, I mean, we are talking about a sciencey thing. We are talking about a literal rocket scientist. You can tell so I'm not a Nazi recruit because I'm really bad at these at everything. <laughs> <laughs> at everything. I doubt everything, but. Well. Thank you. I am fishing. I'm good at that. Yeah. Oh, oh, see, see, you're good at something. Um, but yeah, there is. I wonder if there is at all anything to to gleam from this. For example, I mean, without the space race, you wouldn't have space camp. You, you wouldn't have those ads for magazines when we were kids that were like, come to Alabama and float in gravity. And you wouldn't have a space where apparently one of these Nazi scientists, Dr. Von Thiessenhausen, got presented with a Lifetime Achievement Award for Education by Neil Armstrong in 2011. When people point out if it wasn't for this, we wouldn't have that. There is truth to that. However, we, you can always come at something without having to involve Nazis. That's just like, I think, a general life rule that we can I mean, all live by. To, to your original point, I would not be here if it wasn't for Hitler because of the fact that my grandmother had a family that was killed by Nazis and then met this man at a relocation camp in Israel and then had my dad. But, I mean, I don't really, I'm not, look, I don't need to be here. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not that helpful. Here's something that I found real sus, which was before President Truman officially approved Operation Paperclip, apparently was very indecisive on it for uh, 16 months. And then years later is like, I wasn't reluctant to do that because the relations with the Soviet Union, it was like this had to be done and it was done. So like. Do we think ultimately he was wishy-washy? Was he trying to figure out stuff or do you think, think he was he just was. like, I mm. think he was wishy-washy because like just this whole group of Madison, Ave, Madison Ave, um, lawyers were like in his ear all the time trying to convince him to give them money to like start what would become the CIA. So I could imagine that just being like a low information voter at first. He was like, Oh, I don't know. Cause there was a lot of hesitancy at first, because people thought this idea of a CIA was too similar to I guess, the Gestapo. Mm-hmm. And then years later, Alan Dulles, who ran the CIA, was like, oops, I thought you guys wanted me to create a super Gestapo agency. So I could see him being at first like unsure. And then once 
he was like ingratiated in the whole anti-communist thing being like no i am firmly in this camp yeah like we gotta bring these nazis over because we can't let communism happen mm-hmm. um, hindsight's 2020 it's very easy once you've kind of like don't have to answer for anything as much to kind of look mm-hmm. back and be like no i'm happy with that like mm-hmm. yeah. sure there are so many shitty things i've done in my life where you know whatever I learned a lesson or something came from it. And it's like, I can look back and be like, well, it's a good thing that happened. I take full responsibility for that choice when it's like, no, it was still a <laughs> shitty choice. You just, you know, I think I, um, take, I take full responsibility for operation paperclip because finally somebody needs to, I feel like I could have gone back in time and instead I don't know. You know, I just kind of instead like, you instead you made a career making jokes. So instead of well, I wouldn't you know, go so far as to call it a career, but yeah. <laughs> um, I know before I had said that, like, they, you know, they did do a ton of whitewashing and we're like, uh, we're just going to erase some of your history. And a ton and- of Jewish washing. <laughs> Have you guys um, used that baby feet thing? I like just got into it. Oh, the peel? Yeah, I'm picking. Yes. I'm supposed to. What's yes. a baby feet thing? Yeah. I want it. Steve, you would love. Okay, it's like $10 at CVS. Um, and they're like these booties that have this liquid. It's probably really bad for you. It probably it's like an acid. by Dr. Some... Herbert Gessner. Some... Who electrocuted and burned German children. Um, but yeah, it's like a you, you put your feet in these booties with this liquid for 90 minutes. And then a week later it starts to peel your skin starts to peel so like if you have a callus or like dirt ingrained in your feet it comes off you're like a snake that it's sounds so, so that sounds so comfortable to, like i love i love peeling skin it's um, so great and then your feet feel so soft like a baby yeah oh my god plastic There's... booties available for pickup at my target yes Shoot. yeah Yes, uh, there's a few different ones it's like the, the original baby foot. And then there's one I use from a company called Patchology, where it's like the, the acid is a little less acidy. Mm. I look if one of the Nazis created that, I'm like, it's it was all worth it because I love yeah. this. Shit, I mean, you guys. is and, and, you know, I'd have to do a deep dive into baby foot, but maybe baby foot is part of the. $10 billion in intellectual reparations that Operation Paperclip was uh, seeking to gain. Wow. wow. How long were you sitting on that one? Uh, intellectual reparations. About, about 45 minutes I was waiting to see if and also when. Also, you have to do a deep dive because you have to put your feet in there. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah, they, it's, is... like a, it's like a legit boot that you're wearing. No, not it's like not a legit your... boot. It's like a paper, thin paper boot. Okay. Yes. But I mean, it's not like it's a, it's not like a patch you stick on your foot. Like you're putting your foot inside of a thing and Mm -hmm, then you tape it up mm -hmm. and then you watch an episode of your favorite hour long drama program. And then you take off the booties and you wash your feet. And then five days later, you're like, holy shit, I could peel off my foot. I think my only issue is I wish there was a version where you don't have to wait a week for the skin to die. I know. Like that is. Yeah. That would drive me crazy. It's like when you don't get two day shipping. (laughs) Oh, my God. Why even why even buy? Give me my foot now. Why am I waiting a week for my foot? 
Um, but otherwise, so like, what about like around the toenails and stuff? Like every yeah, that's like skin the whole peels too, babe. And the can do you like peel, does it all peel off at once? No. Or... So it's in like patches. I show you my foot, but it's really disgusting. That's fine. I'm. I can just. I'll just Google. I actually already am looking at images. So, um. Oh my god, that looks incredible. It looks like a mummy. The Germans should have done stuff that had to do with self-care. Like that would yes. bring a whole population of people on board with this program. Yeah. Can you it imagine? Have been... <laughs> can you imagine if instead of like wars and space races, we are just like, what's the best way for everyone to be happy and healthy? Yeah. Then the... to get rid of the Jews. That's what they were trying to do. It just didn't no, have see, enough cachet after all. See, this is where they were wrong. They should have been like, you know what? We're going to try to eradicate pores. You know, clogged yeah. pores. You know, well, they did really... try to er- eradicate the poor. <laughs> That's true, too. I just hope <laughs> that like people talk about this stuff and like, Cause like I said, I only really learned about it a month or so ago. And I mean, my mom didn't even know about it. Like Mm. it just would be cool if there was kind of a resurgence in understanding the history that they don't teach in history class. Like, especially about the evil things that we've done. Cause yeah, no, like you were saying, we could talk about MK ultra and people always focus on how they like created LSD and gave it to people who weren't aware, but they also did like so much evil, more like evil shit. Like the acid thing is something we kind of laugh about, but they also took people who were like in mental asylums and tried to like neutralize them and created the torture manual that we used in Abu Ghraib and Guantanamo Bay. Mm-hmm. Like we don't talk about that. Cause it's just like not as fun as talking about how acid was invented. Yeah, exactly. Like acid is like, aha, that's the CIA being like a little goofball. Goofy. And the rest <laughs> the rest of the time, it's like, oh, uh, destroying South America over and over and over again. That's just like not as not as chill, not as cute. Yeah. Um, speaking funny, <laughs> speaking of like, at least culturally, I would say that there's like four-ish references I can think of off the top of my head from researching this that have to do that like one can look into to read more about this or learn more about this. One is that book, Operation Paperclip, the secret intelligence program that brought Nazi scientists to America by Annie Jacobson. There was also a Amazon television program from last year, Hunters, which was based on Operation Paperclip. So it's like a a fictionalized version where it was like, what if those Nazis had actually stayed Nazis and were hiding in America? So like Hunters is in the 70s and it's New Yorkers who spend their time tracking down Nazis hiding in America. But the idea was based off of seeking out these people that were brought over by an Operation Paperclip. So not exactly related, but it has like, I think, brought the, uh, the true story into light more recently ish um and then also this mm-hmm. book i'm reading called the mighty Wurlitzer: how the cia played america i mm. i miss uh i call i confused it with the jakarta method and i called it the Wurlitzer method but it's called the mighty Wurlitzer. gotcha that's another good one to check out um There's also the Marvel Cinematic Universe is doing its part to tell you the history. Thank God. It's about time. I know. Apparently, uh, Phil Coulson mentions 
project paperclip as the secret program to recruit Nazi scientists after World War II. And yeah, within the Marvel world, apparently um, there's a former Hydra scientist named Armin Zola and he joins S.H.I.E.L.D. and Zola begins to rebuild Hydra inside of S.H.I.E.L.D. And so it's basically saying, hey, what if these Nazi scientists that you had brought over didn't convert to being super Episcopalian or whatever and and becoming buds with Martin Luther King Jr., which is like a real thing Von Braun did. I know I keep talking about him. Yeah, like, yes. Uh, Hold on. Let me find it. Yeah, he uh, uh, also people are mad on mad at me on Twitter again today. Ah, stop it, guys. Leave her alone. Um, She's she's great. She's having weird dreams. Andrew's going to be fine. Um, Yeah, apparently. Uh, Von Braun, when he joined the Episcopalian congregation, became increasingly religious and spoke about like science and religion kind of going hand in hand and ends up meeting privately with Billy Graham and Martin Luther King Jr. What? Yeah. And I'm just like, guys. Okay, Martin Luther King Jr. is canceled. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> when he Finally. committed anti-Semitism, that was not a slay. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, like, like, how do we feel about something like the Marvel Universe talking about this stuff, but not like our schools? <laughs> I don't I really- mean understand the appeal of any of those movies like they're not funny and there's never any like emotional people are going to get more mad at me for this than like making jokes about the holocaust do you, you talk now <laughs> um I, I i i think it's very what could be more american than our schools refusing to teach anything about the bad stuff we've done therefore we learn it from superhero movies where it's kind of taken and I don't want to say glorified, but turned into like a fun story, you know? Yeah. Well, here's the thing I learned also recently. The CIA is frequently and FBI is frequently um, asked for their input on movies, like not just movies having to do with, you know, like not even like big budget. Well, I guess Meet the Fockers is big budget, but basically I was reading this article about how, in Meet the Fockers, there was a scene where um, Robert De Niro's character had a manual, like the CIA torture manual, and the CIA was like, take that out, and they did. So I wow. kind of doubt that a Marvel Universe movie is going to give the full picture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. That's well, then fair. I'm not going to bother seeing Black Widow if it's not going to teach me. <laughs> This is how you've been learning about U.S. history is just through the MCU. God. And I can't believe that they didn't have Red Skull come over as part of Operation Paperclip. That's his name, right? Red Skull? Redhead? Redman? Here's a subhead. On television, this is from The Independent, on television we found more than 1,100 titles that received Pentagon backing, 900 of them since 2005. From Flight 93 to Ice Road Truckers and Army Wives. So basically, federal agencies in the U.S. have sponsored thousands of hours worth of entertainment time, including the Falkers. Um, Yeah, but otherwise, Operation Paperclip is just like not a thing that is sort of in the public consciousness. And that's crazy to me. I feel like 
it should definitely be something that is a thing that everybody knows about. Especially because any, like, anytime Israel, like, bombs a kindergarten, people are like, okay, don't say, don't talk about that because it's anti-Semitic. And it's like, if we really, why aren't we talking about, like, the U.S.'s hand in protecting the most, like, virulent, Mm -hmm. virulent? Yes. Uh, anti-Semites. Yeah. Like, um, let's talk about that. They, there was only one paperclip scientist, this guy, George Rickey, who was formally tried for any crime. And none of the scientists were found guilty in America oh, yeah, he was or Germany. Germany. Just one dude who got sent back to Germany, stood trial and was acquitted. Like, it's wild to me. These guys were hardcore fucking Nazis and nothing happened to them. They suffered no accountability for their actions. Instead, they got praised for creating the ear thermometer. And one of them got a six figure job being the mascot for Microsoft Word when he pops up and I'll say, hey, did you know that you can click this button if you want to copy and paste? And we never talk about his thick, thick German accent. And he actually was deemed guilty in the Nuremberg trials. Right. But we still, the, uh, Bill Gates was like, no, 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 it's fine. He, we, we've talked. He's converted. He's a good mm-hmm. guy. Mm-hmm. He's a Christian now. Um, mm-hmm. It's weird, though, because I feel like the dog and the ball on Microsoft Word were outspoken about it, but nobody listened. And mm-hmm. uh, so was so was the Albert Einstein of the Microsoft Word. Uh, he, too, was like, this is not cool, guys. We can't have this former Nazi telling you that your grammar might not be wrong or how to copy yeah, paste correctly. Yeah, I'm not a grammar correctly. Nazi. <laughs> boo. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I would boo myself, too, if I had I energy. take that boo back and I give it a yay. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm uh, trying to write boo on my calculator, but I just don't have the skills. No, you didn't get that high in math. It's Mm -mm. fine. What kills me, too, is it's not just Operation Paperclip, but there are a ton of similar operations that were a a lot of them were about like, we got to figure out what, uh, you know, what kinds of weaponry and biological warfare that they've got. Uh, Let's figure out material and uh, what science advancements that they have, production stuff that they were in the middle of, et cetera, et cetera. Improv programs. My favorite, though, as far as names for these operations go, is Operation Lusty. And this was uh, Mm. U.S. efforts to get German aeronautical equipment and tech. But when I think about it, I'm like, is that what would make Americans more interested in learning about their past? If we called it Operation Lusty or what if we called it Operation Boobs, like on the calculator, like would people be more into it? Is it the fact that it's called even though Steve has told us the incredibly important and really sus ass reason why it's called Operation Paperclip? There is a small part of me that's like, maybe people would be more interested in all the crimes the CIA has committed if the operations were like sexually named. I don't think the CIA has done anything good. Like <laughs> everything that they've done that's been good is something that we create. Like, you know, in Jimmy Neutron, how like he creates a problem and then he solves it. And it's mm-hmm. like, okay, well, if you just hadn't created that problem, you wouldn't need to be lauded as a hero now. You know, like, yes. 
Andrea, <laughs> is there anything else that you would like to add about Operation Paperclip or at least telling people about it? Like beyond just go look this shit up for yourself. Is there anything else that you're like, you know, if somebody was like, what is that? I, I'm not into history, et cetera. What would you tell them? Um, I would just tell them that the everything the CIA did, it's creation all came out of a bunch of rich white guys being scared of communism and America doesn't actually care about anti-Semitism and also the U.S. created anthrax and I have a show in September but I don't remember when or where so follow me on Twitter for more details. (laughs) Andrea Moore thank you so much for coming on why do you know that? Thank you for having me. Is there anything you'd like to plug at this time? Maybe that September show? Um, no, but thank okay. you. Um, and can people follow you online? Where can they do that? They can reluctantly follow me online. My handle on all platforms is a more underscore or less. All right. And. Oh, shit, I forgot what I was going to say to help. close. I think I'm going to take Fuck. a nap. <laughs> <laughs> are you gonna dr- please don't dream about more war give your oh. brain a break okay try I'll your best myself out with a benadryl and then i won't have any deep sleep at all is that what you want nadia hey everybody thanks for listening if you like what you heard tell everyone you know every way you know how remember to subscribe rate and review and be sure to go back and listen to our older episodes if you missed them we talked about some weird stuff and be sure to follow us on instagram at why do you know that pod or on Twitter at Why Do You Know Pod. They're different. And if you've got questions, comments, concerns, whatever, be sure to email us at Why Do You Know That Pod at gmail.com. Let's do this again sometime. Uh-huh.